you know, there is this danger of, I want to get on Twitter and I want people to tell me that my thoughts matter and that my, my academics and I have value because of like my thoughts. Right. And, um, and whether or not, I think that's a very common thing in young people who grew, grew up on social media. Um, and I definitely have had to combat that. Right. I've had to say like, I could have 30,000 followers or I could have zero and the Lord has still called me to like study theology and as a practice of knowing him better as a, as a practice of, of my living out my faith. And, and he's given me these intellectual gifts, if you will, as a means of, of living out my faith. You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of the Pocket Pulpit, uh, where we are exploring social media ministry and just the, the different ways that we are uh, not just uh, ourselves doing, but also as we are viewing and seeing people um, who are using social media in a way to uh, just advance the kingdom and see uh, the work of Jesus and be the hands and feet in all the digital spaces. So today we are joined. Uh, we have my co-host Sarah. Hey, 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 Sarah, and uh, we've got our friend Leah Boyd with us today. Hey, Leah. Hey, y'all. Good to be here. I said that right, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, awesome. it's some people say Leah, like Princess Leah, but I yeah. so I don't correct them. But no, it's it's Leah, but it's good. Right. Said it right. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. I hadn't Thanks. even contemplated Leia. I just assumed it was Leah. Hmm. Well, Leah, let's start off. Tell us a little bit. Who are you? Who are your people? Things like that. Yeah. So I am Leah Boyd, and I am currently a student at Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, Texas. I'm getting an MDiv there. I'm also getting a master music degree at uh, Baylor University. And so I am also a music minister um, at an SBC church here in the Waco area. And so I'm really um, passionate about music ministry. I'm really passionate about worship and uh, theology. And I also uh, enjoy making fun comments about my ministry and life experience in seminary on Twitter as the sassy seminary student. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of trying to get a little bit away from the sassy moniker now, uh, be a little bit more mature, but you can find me there at, uh, at Leah B. Sassy. And yeah, so I, I'm a seminary student and I just kind of I, I like uh, investing my life into uh, those areas. Yeah. <laughs> what um, are you on other platforms or like Twitter is your preferred platform? Yeah, absolutely. Twitter is definitely my preferred platform, mostly because it's one of the only ones that it's based on like, like wit and writing and quips, um, like Instagram, like, and YouTube and all those other ones. And even like Snapchat, like those are all very like visual. Like I feel like I have to put on makeup and look pretty to like do anything on those. But on Twitter, I can just roll out of bed. I can, I could just have on my pajamas tweeting the most like insane stuff at like 5am and I don't, yeah, it's awesome. So I love Twitter. Twitter is my, my jam. Sweet, ours too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we understand that you started your Twitter account anonymously. Yeah, I did. Uh, it was an anonymous <laughs> account, but somehow a friend recognized you. Probably, I don't know if that's your profile photo, but they recognized you, uh, and so they tied the account to you, mm-hmm. and you since stepped out into and and revealed that it's you, um, yeah. and that you're connected to the account. 
So can you talk about why you started the account anonymously? Um, and then yeah. how did, what was your plan with it, the anonymous? What was your plan with the account? <laughs> well, I originally started the account because I was heading off to seminary and I was kind of on the edges of Christian Twitter. So I followed people like Beth Moore and some of the people that I admired and like, you know, had followed uh, when I was a child or when I was a teen. And so I was kind of on the edges. And as soon as I kind of started delving into, it was kind of around the time that the thing called weird Christian Twitter started. And I started seeing that um, kind of appear and I wanted in on that, but I really did not want to link my like actual personal Twitter account to that because I have so many people from all walks of life who follow me. And I was like, they do not want to see my weird hot takes about like random professors and the Southern Baptist convention. They're like, I was like, these people would be so like, Leah, what are you doing? So I didn't want to bother my main people with that. So I decided to just kind of create a Twitter account called the Sassy Seminary Student so that I could comment on uh, basically things like church politics. And just kind of, as I was going into seminary, my, my perspective on these things, as I was entering into seminary for the first time and going into ministry and vocational ministry and how all these things kind of, how I, my observations about them and just making funny comments about them and making little jokes and memes. And so, yeah, I originally started anonymously just because again, like I didn't want to like even like bother the real people in my life. I just kind of wanted it to be something that I could just do and comment on things. But um, I, I did, I tweeted something that was just so me that um, someone literally recognized me and they sent it uh, to me and they were like, we know this is you. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna just kind of come out as like, this is Leah, this is me. So yeah, I, um, uh, I kind of quickly realized that the anonymous thing was not really for me. And I just kind of embraced it for my own. Yeah. Yeah. Have those was, two accounts like combined yet? Or like, do your. No, I, I still have a personal Twitter. Like I literally do. And it only has like, you know, a few hundred followers. And, and I, I, I've been on Twitter since like middle schools. So I've been on Twitter for a decade. Uh, but in the past couple of years, I've kind of abandoned that account actually kind of almost completely, which is funny, but yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That is funny. It's funny to think that you've got one account with like quite a few followers and one account that you're just like, yeah, it's got a couple hundred. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. And it's like my real life friends and stuff. Um, yeah. People from all walks life. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Well, you post like what you eat for lunch there. I could. I really could. <laughs> I, could yeah. actually tweet, I could tweet on that and not have people like come for my throat on that. Yeah. that account. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're sort of at this like classic age um, where people discover their voice like that mm -hmm. early 20s um, age. It's like a, a beautiful time of life, uh, but you're doing it with all eyes on you. <laughs> and like people look at you and they see you. They see this young person. They see this woman pursuing a seminary education, um, a woman with a with a position that puts them on a platform. They're not a pastorate and you are like classically attractive. You're pretty. And so that forms how they view you and how they, what they expect from you um, and who they think you are or should be. And do you feel the weight of that evaluation all the time? <laughs> Immensely. And it was worse when I was a first year seminary student, especially because people, I mean, there were grown pastors. I mean, I was followed by Beth Moore, who is my hero. I love Beth Moore so much. Um, she's my hero. I was followed by her on my account, November of my first semester of seminary and just having my Christian, my Christian hero, the person I grew up listening to and reading, follow me, just some 
little first year seminary student and then having thousands of other people, other pastors, professors, people that I look up to, people that I respect greatly, somehow listen to me. Like I somehow have a voice that's worth listening to, worth following. I mean, I, especially being so young and not knowing nearly anything about the world, I, that really does bother me quite a lot um, because it just, I don't, I don't want to be the rise and fall of the sassy seminary student, right? I don't want to be a Mark Driscoll or one of these people who rises to fame so fast and then just crashes and burns because they were not um, careful about um, their maturity. And um, so, yeah, I definitely absolutely feel that pressure. And I used to actually be quite, I think I was a little bit more um, quote sassy on my account when I started. And I've kind of, once I realized um, the kinds of attention that were on me and what kind of, and I thought about what kind of a Christian witness I wanted to be, I kind of toned it down a little bit. And I mostly what I try and do now is I try and um, not like make hot takes. Like I have a voice that you have to listen to my opinion because my opinion is the right one, but I try and just try and make you know, funny observations or quips or jokes about things in Christian culture and things that we can all kind of relate to. Um, and that way you can, I have something to say, but it's not like me trying to force my opinion on other people, because quite, quite frankly, I don't think people should really listen to me as like someone on a platform that has all this wisdom that you should listen to. I do think I'm a little bit too young to be in that place. So yeah, it's weird when people put that expectation on me, like I'm some sort of Christian figure and I'm like, I'm really not. I like, please don't like invite me to speak at your church or something. Like that's not, that's not who I feel like I am, you know? Yeah. You have the wisdom to see that you don't have the, like the wisdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. You know no. that there is more for you to learn. Some people, I, I will, I promise you when I was 23 years old, I did not have the wisdom to know that I did not have the wisdom. (laughs) Where are the people asking me my opinion? Because I have the right opinion on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you, do you find that like, so we talked about kind of, you know, you've got your, your Sassy Seminarian account, you've got your personal account. It's kind of two different worlds, but do you yeah. find that in person you have some of the similar, especially now that people know, and maybe some of your friend groups know yeah. uh, that you're tied to it. Do you, do you find some of that same kind of in-person um, notoriety and how people yeah. might, might look to you? I know that you say, Hey, I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm the person to listen to, but do you find that maybe the people around you want to desire to? Yes and no. I mean, like, um, it's my, it's funny. Like sometimes my friends will like find my account and they'll be like, I had no idea you were like Twitter famous. And they're like, haha, you're so funny. You know, this is very much you, you know? Um, and it's weirder like around my other seminary friends, just because, um, you know, they, they're also just kind of doing their thing. And then I'm kind of out here talking to like the people that we're reading in class. And so that can be kind of strange, but I definitely think that outside of my seminary context, um, my other friends, they, um, they definitely have started to kind of view me as someone who is living an ostensibly Christian 
witness in life. Like I have made this kind of my identity that I'm a seminary student that I'm in ministry, that I'm in these Christian circles. And so I have had friends who may not have really like asked me questions about the faith or asked me things. They may not have looked to me as like the very first person that they would go to, to kind of ask questions or to talk about like maybe church politics things or church trauma or, you know, things, things of that nature. They definitely have been, you know, contacting me and say, Hey, like, um, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? author about this theological point or something. And so, you know, that to me has been something that's been really meaningful of like, you know, I, I, I have this platform, but that does come with responsibility, meaning that this is what I'm representing. I'm a, I'm representing the faith in a very pub, very public way. Um, and so I do think that people in my life in my real life have kind of recognized that and they've kind of, um, they, they've kind of taken it with, with, with really well. And it's been, um, it's been kind of interesting to see that. Yeah. So how do you, um, when you have the, the expectations and the, and the views of others, how do you separate that out? And how do you, um, what evaluation do you, do you give that so that you can say, that's how I'm viewed, but this is who I am. Ooh, that's really, it's really tough because, you know, I really did start my account as kind of a satire like just making funny quips and hot takes and memes. And just like, you know, I wasn't really trying to be really and truly myself. And then I kind of started mixing in my own personal interests. Like, I, you know, if you go to my account now, I have my tweets are about the theologian Herman Bovink. Um, you know, so I've kind of started mixing in some of my real personality, who I am, things I'm interested in. I'm interested in music, interested in Herman Bovink. I'm interested in, um, you know, the SBC or th things of that nature. Right. And it's not things that everybody can relate to. Um, so it is kind of weird because I literally, like, I saw, it's funny, I saw a tweet yesterday, someone was like, oh, I unfollowed her because she likes Bavink, and he had this particular viewpoint on something, and she must believe it too, and I was like, I really actually, I don't, like, I didn't reply to him, but I kind of wanted to, because I was like, I actually don't agree with that quote, like, I, I don't have to agree with everybody that I, <laughs> that I read, you know, mm. and so it is weird, because these pe people make all kinds, I mean, I have people make the weirdest assumptions about me and who I am that don't know me in person. They don't know me in real life. And it is kind of really strange to think about what kind, and that's what I've had to really step back and think about, like, what kind of witness am I presenting? Like, what kind of person do people think I am um, by the way that I conduct myself on social media? And it is, it is, I don't always get it right. I will say I do, I don't, I don't always get it right, but I, I try to, and I do have tried to kind of mix in more authentically of who I think I am as a person who I'm trying to be, um, the person of Christ rather than just some sort of like some sort of like satirical figure or some sort of like um you know character if you will um on Twitter just for like an audience purpose yeah yeah it, I do remember um I do I do I can recognize there has been a shift I remember the first time I saw you be really serious it was like oh that is a a big separation from her general tone to, yeah. but I think that probably people's assumption all, um, would be, or they, they would anticipate that somebody who comes on and brands themselves as sassy, right. it's on social media, starts expressing themselves. And um, I would imagine that they will assume that mm -hmm. a person like that would shed their most conservative stances and grow increasingly like liberal for lack of a better term. It's true. I've definitely gotten that assumption. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case with you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. in, in, 
in fact, um, in the past year, you've began the practice of covering, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and I remember when I first saw you tweet about it, I thought like, oh, I wasn't anticipating that. Is this, is this her being sassy or is this her being serious? Yeah. And, and I think it took a while. And then you switched, when you finally switched your profile picture, it was like, okay, I, I now feel like I'm not, I don't have to be like, mm-hmm. is this like a long running sassy thing? Or is this a, is she in for it? So um, will you just talk to us about covering and how you came to that position and yeah. what that is for you? And yeah, it's, um, it's really weird because there is sort of like a weird like head covering movement thing around like some in some reform circles and some like trad Catholic circles and stuff. I really came to this and I hate to sound the, this way, but I came to this from a personal conviction, like from just reading scripture. Like I was reading First Corinthians 11 and I was just, I just, I was reading it and I was pondering it and praying about it. And I was like, I, and I started to do some research about the historical practice of Christian women covering and seeing how early it started in the church and how, you know, it really wasn't just a Corinth thing, that it was kind of something that was universal in the early church. And it kind of continued even in, as a Southerner, you know, the church lady hats, um, those literally started historically um, for head covering, right? And so it's something Christian women have always really done. And so I, the more I started thinking about it and the more, as I was in seminary, I went through some really tough personal stuff my first year. And um, it's just something that I do. And I thought, I, I really want to start doing this as kind of a symbolic thing, right? Like it's, it's more, it's a symbolic symbol of my submission to God while I'm in seminary and, and my humble, and it's, it's me also trying to be humble. It's me covering up, you know, beauty or, you know, whatever you want to, you know, equate women's hair to, but it's me having some sort of visible sign of, of me trying to be humbling myself and then being in submission to God while I'm in, while I'm in seminary. So it's been a really meaningful practice to me. And it's something that, um, you know, I don't obviously don't think all women should absolutely have to, uh, it's a, to, cause it, for me, it was very much a personal conviction. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it is interesting to, to see that, like, just to see kind of how my I'm perceived like through this binary of like conservative or liberal, because yeah. I really don't, if you really like laid out everything I believed in about everything, like if politics, theology, whatever, I don't know if you could put me on the map of exactly where I fall. Cause I feel like I have different opinions about so many different things. And it's funny. People want to put you in a tribe so badly. You have to fit into this tribe or else you don't actually believe in it. And you have to attack your opponents all the time, or you don't actually believe in that thing. Cause I'm out here like, look, I can believe in this, but I'm not going to be out here on Twitter, like dunking on the people who don't believe in what I do. Right. Mm. Yeah. It is, it is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Uh, have you, so I know that you, you, I, I remember reading the thread where you kind of explained, this is something that I'm doing, not necessarily like just, just a, a trend. Like you explained a little bit of what you just shared. Yeah. What, what has the impact, if, if any, um, that you've seen as personal witness in your relationships or, or in your, your experience at seminary? Like, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like I have gotten stopped in public when I like, sometimes it depends. My head coverings depend on the day. Like sometimes like today I'm just wearing like a little headband, but, um, sometimes I wear like 
kind of more of a veily thing or um, or a bandana or something that covers more of my hair um, or some sort of like um, scarf. And sometimes on those days, like I will get stopped in public and people will ask, hey, like what religion are you? And that's a really weird experience, right? Like I'm in, I'm just a white Christian girl living in Texas, right? Like that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be all the more different uh, here, out here, but you know, I will get stopped and people say, Hey, like, sorry, like what religion are you? Or like, like, what's that in your hair? Or like, I love your, or, I mean, I've had other, I've actually had um, a lot of people here in Baylor, like my friends, they didn't even realize at first that I was head covering because I do like, I try and make it kind of stylish. Like I'll wear little bandanas and things, you know, but eventually it got to the point where they're like, you know, we love the stuff that's in your hair. Like, like, why do you do that? Like, do you do that as like a religious thing? Like, like, why do you do that? And so it is this curiosity of like, you wear this stuff like every day and like you're doing this every day and you're committed to it. Like, I'm curious about that. I'm interested in that. And you know, I do think it obviously don't, I don't want to get too legalistic about it, right? That like, this is my proof that I'm a Christian, right? I definitely believe in the you know mantra, they'll know we are Christians by our love for others. However, um, I do think that in our culture, because it is so secular, because it is sometimes so difficult to tell the difference between a Christian and your average person on the street, um, but you can maybe see if you recognize a Muslim woman because of her hijab, right? There is something outwardly witnessing, I think, about the way that we dress and the way we the way we present ourselves. And so it has been really interesting just to strike up conversations with people about faith, about about what I'm doing, about about why I'm so passionate about the Lord, about my my love for him and 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 how I'm excited. I, I love being a Christian. And this is just one way that I think it's been interesting to have these kind of conversations that other people will 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 come up to me and like ask me about it for sure. Yeah. When I, when I think about, have you had people push back on it? Um, yeah, a few, uh, not often, uh, but there, I mean, there are a few people at my seminary, you know, people who are like, well, you know, why do you do this? Like, I don't agree with your interpretation of the past. It's really like, it's more of like the, you know, the, the academic people who are like, well, we don't agree with that interpretation of first Corinthians 11, that you have to wear head covering, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, we can, that's <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but no, I think most people have had a pretty positive response to it. Yeah. When you were talking about people want you to be in a camp and then mm -hmm. they want your camp to be like on guard and on attack all the time. Yes. Do you feel, this is something that I have, I have thought when I've watched you because, um, you, you have said that like, you are not pursuing a pastorate. No. Yeah. Um, but people respond to you because what you do is in front of people and you do use your voice yeah. um, online True. In, that, in that way. I mean, in a, in a, you use your voice online. <laughs> for some people that that is enough to say you are out of line, right? And at the same mm -hmm. time, like I think about, I think that one of the first, maybe one of the first, tweets I replied to you with was there's this um is it is it a gif if I say gif if I say gif, gif, I, is fine. gif is fine so whatever it is and it's We're like not legalistic <laughs> just let me you'll let me say whatever it is and then all of everybody will be like she said it wrong it's mm -hmm. fine the thing with the moving picture yeah um and it's like this girl that has her hands like stretched out and she's like come here come here come here and it was like, um, 
because my denomination ordains women right. and, um, and I am pursuing ordination. Right. And so it was like, like, we'll take you, you know, <laughs> like, but, but then like, as I, as I thought through, it's like, yeah. you know, you are where you feel called to be and you are following God's call in your life. And so do you feel as much pressure from people who would find themselves in my, in my position to be like, yes, it's, well, it's weird. And again, it's me feeling, I always feel like I'm caught in the crosshairs. Um, some people want to make me a token women in ministry. She's empowered. She's breaking the norm. She's breaking the glass ceiling in ministry in this male dominated space. She's, she's the token, like woman doing X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Like I am the first at my church. I'm the first like real woman music minister they've had. They had one, she lasted a pretty short time. And so I'm the first one that's really been there. I'm first minister at my church has been a woman. So, you know, it's, it's both online and my real life. Sometimes, you know, I feel like this token of like, if I'm not, this empowered woman, I'm going to be ordained and I'm going to break these glass ceilings and I'm going to show all these patriarchy men who's boss that I'm not really being the kind of woman that I should be. Right. And then I also do get people on the other side who are like, if you are not barefoot and pregnant by my age, I'm 23, then you are like a woman in rebellion and you need to think about your life and you need to go home and, you know, do all those things. Right. And so I do definitely feel caught in the crosshairs sometimes of that. I don't really want to be it's kind of me trying to get out of identity politics, right? Like, I don't want to be just, I don't want to be a woman Bavink scholar. Like, I just want to be a Bavink scholar or, you know, I don't want to necessarily be a woman music minister. I just want to be a music minister and love on people and, and, and help other people worship with music. Right. Like, um, but then I don't, yeah. So it's, it's sometimes it's, it's less pressure. You know, I do think on the more like egalitarian liberal side, there is le a little less pressure to kind of conform because it very much is like we want women to just follow God's call wherever it is. Right. But um, it, yeah, it is kind of weird to kind of get that from both sides for sure. Yeah, well, we we've watched you online go toe to toe with much older <laughs> Christians and you're still standing, you know, and and you're still someone who's continuing in the work that you're doing and. and and to be clear, as you've said, like that work is just being who you are and trying to live into that reality. Right. Um, but I think another expectation of someone of your age, and you're not much younger than I am, uh, but is, is that they would either respond by shutting down mm. or by writing off the older people, the older generation, the older mm. person. But you seem to hold your own and mm. while still being engaged and allowing this conversation to continue even if they disagree with you the same way that like you know earlier you mentioned of, of the assumptions being made and it can be easy to just like well you know what if if you're not going to listen like let me come after you and let me just make sure that everyone knows right right uh, but i think that this may be a silly question of but but i'm gonna ask it anyway like how do you do that like, how do you hold your own and how do you like navigate the the just very tricky nuanced part of that conversation i this is i mean do not think that i again i'm not speaking from a place of i know everything I, this is something i struggle and work at every single day to do um 
the first, and I, and I said this to a professor one time, I was like, I don't know how to like do this. Like I, I want to be convicted. I want to believe in these things, but I also want to listen to other people. I also want to learn. I also don't want to like, just, you know, come down so hard on this that I never, I close my mind and I'm never, you know, whatever. So it's, and he's, and he told me, you know, you can be a pilgrim, but a pilgrimage implies that you're, you're going from somewhere and you also have a home, right? Like you can come back to it. You can go out and you can pilgrimage, but you're always going to come back from some to somewhere. Right. And that's how I feel. I, I've kind of very much come to my own theological conclusions about things. You know, I'm, I'm confessional meaning, you know, like the 1689 London Baptist confession. Like I, this is the statement of faith. These are the things that I believe. These are my doctrines. These are whatever these are. This is my denomination, Baptist faith and message, SBC, et cetera. But I'm still a student, right? I, I know that I have so much to learn. I know that I have so much to learn from other people. And I'm very, very open to that. And I actually love learning. That's one of the reasons I love Twitter. I love watching the debate and the discord. To me, it's like my own little like Athenian forum, right? <laughs> and we're just like debating with people in the, in the public square and we're just going at each other. And sometimes it gets all kinds of crazy. Um, you know, so I, I definitely have my own convictions, but um, I, I definitely think that I, I just love, I do, I love learning from other people. And it actually makes me quite, and I think to me as a Christian, like Paul commands us over, and even Jesus commands us over and over and over in his epistles to have unity with one another and to not be quarrelsome and not to, you know, lambast each other and to just, and to love on one another in, in Christ, because that is what unites us. And I, and I, and I go back to that. And that's truly to me, the core of this is that I believe if we all confess Christ, we are brothers and sisters, no mm. matter if we are egalitarian or if we are Pado Baptists or Credo Baptists or whatever, you know, we all confess the same Lord and Savior. And so that to me can bridge us across so many of these divides. And so I um I love learning from my professors and all across the board and the people that I follow on Twitter from all walks of life. I follow all kinds of people and I do enjoy listening to them and their stories. And I think that that's something that I try and do is just remain humble. May, remain convicted of my own things but also just remain humble and always open to listening to others yeah that's what, so when good I, when i think about <laughs> unity it, it's like we're we're baptized into one body we're part of we are already unified we yes. are we're already united yeah. and so like it's not so much like we have to work to put our body parts together we yeah. just have to stop using our body parts like to punch ourselves in the face <laughs> you know and like try to cut our foot off right right and so it's like you know unity when when expressed or practiced well it doesn't just look like a jointed human it looks like um a well-skilled like ballerina you know performing something beautiful um as opposed to like a assembly of a mannequin yeah yeah no that's that's good one of the one of the things a few years ago that I just I kind of stuck with for a while and thinking about the body and, and how we need the entire body is that like if you trip right your your foot doesn't go oh I've got to catch myself your brain does your brain reacts to hey I'm falling and I need to catch myself. And it might be your foot, it might be your leg that moves, but your brain has to tell your leg to move. And you'll generally outstretch your hands if, you, if you're falling forward to catch yourself or twist your torso. Your body like 
the entire thing is in jeopardy. And so your entire body begins to react and there's different parts that have a, a role to play in that. And I just love the, the, the thought that comes to mind with some of that, like we're all in unity already. And as we, if we do not adhere to that, we are one in Christ and what we, we have to be careful. I, I'm even a little nervous of saying this, but like we may be in sin as we are, like not just to one another, but against God as we're going, that part of the body is not necessary. Right. And, and we're leaning on our wisdom and our understanding and our, on our, our desire to see a certain uh, theology played out. Like we just have to be careful. I, again, I, I want to be careful saying that because like right now, that's, that's what's at the front of my mind as we think about online ministry and, and the way that we use it and express ourselves. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how, um, like Hector's question about how you have gone toe to toe with like older Christians, you know, they're not old. I'm not old, <laughs> old ever. How, like, I do want to hear a little bit about your impression of how the older generation engages online, how we can do better. I mm. want to hear your impression as a young person who has grown up in the digital age, who has never heard the dial-up sound except for as a joke about what's the dial-up sound. You know, things like that. Like this is, this is your, um, your birthplace was in the digital land. And, um, so I just want to hear your impression. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. I, I will say that the, to me, the biggest thing is like the difference in the sense of humor. Like I will find something so outrageous and so funny and hilarious and the older people fight, get offended because they take it very seriously. And it's something that's, they don't always understand the humor or the jokes or the memes. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that to me is like something that I noticed when I really started kind of getting into church politics a couple of years ago, I look, I knew nothing about it. I, I didn't know anything about some, and some of this y'all is just so ridiculous. And it's to me, quite frankly, it's hilarious, but you can't joke about it because the older people will get kind of upset. Cause they don't, they won't really understand that you're not joking about the thing itself. You're sometimes just joking about how silly it's presented or the way you go about it. Right. You're not always making fun of like, if you make a, a joke about scripture, you're not making fun of scripture itself you know you're just saying this is something funny within it or about it right yep. so you just have to be really careful i do think so i just think that when i've interacted with older folks like the the older the the i will find like the the people who are older than me who understand that i'm joking about something or i'm being kind of satirical or that i'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful that i'm just trying to be kind of playful and they engage with me and they get that they it's wonderful and, and it's great, but I have definitely had lots of like older folks who did not understand that I was trying to be funny or that I was just trying to make a jab at something or, you know, just kind of make some sort of witty comment. They thought I was being serious and they, um, they got really upset. So I think just kind of when you interact with younger people, just know that we, in, to me, growing up on the internet, like anything can be the butt of a joke. Sometimes that's not very good to be honest, but it is true that younger people kind of think everything is funny. So we have a very like nihilistic, nothing matters kind of sense of humor. And so 
you know, even I've seen all kinds of young people make jokes, even of awful, it's just like things about like the Ukraine war happening right now. And it's like, you shouldn't make jokes about that, but it's the way that younger people, I think, kind of communicate with one another. And so, yeah, just knowing that I think the Christian witness right now, we kind of, Christians sometimes get this impression that we are kind of these snobby, we have no fun. We don't like to joke around. We're just these kind of uptight, you know, puritanical, puritanical people. Um, and I think jokes can actually be a great witness to people say, Hey, we like to have fun too. Sometimes things are funny about our faith. Um, you know, things that things we can joke. So, um, yeah, that, that to me would be the, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed. Yeah. Is that the same thing you've experienced in person that you experience online though with that? Um, it depends. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the older you get, the more mature you get, maybe things aren't quite as funny. Um, <laughs> you just lived and you've learned and you, things aren't just as funny to you anymore. Um, but I think in person, I mean, I don't know. I, I really, I, I, maybe it's cause I'm Southern, but I just have a great reverence for my elders. <laughs> like I just have, we kind of grow up with great respect for them and you don't talk back and you don't, you say yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. And like, you know, it, I, I very much have this view of like, you know, if I just go to toe to toe with my parents or something and they disagree with me about something, ultimately, I'm just going to say, you know what, like you are older than me and you know more than me. And I'm just going to kind of respect that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't really have much. I'm not out here trying to like burn down everything that the older generation has ever created. I think a lot of it's actually really awesome and, and, and neat. Um, I'm just kind of out here just trying to say, what else can we do? How can we make this better? <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, well, Sarah, you have any other questions before we get into our, I think I have a lot of questions. I think I, I think I, um, yeah, just so interested. I mean, we, we, I've watched you, you know, just interact and that change and the, and the shift. And I think, I think even like hearing you talk about like, the way that you interact is, is very, um, I don't know. I think I even want to share that. Like you talked about all, oh, I'm not this wise person, but I think in the, in the going toe to toe with people and in still having great respect and reverence for maybe not just the generational gap, but also still adhering to the Imago day in the, in them. Um, there is a wisdom that comes from that experience Thank from you. that, that, um, how to say it, uh, just the way that you go about that. Like there's a wisdom that's gained in that type of confrontation that can't be, if all we're looking for is, as you said, to burn down everything that came before. Uh, we lose so much of what is there if we are not willing to understand it first. I think that goes both ways. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally, thank you. Yeah, I agree. It's all about living and learning. <laughs> I was trying to remember this week I read, if I try to come up with the reference, because I was, um, I've been doing a, a bunch of papers and they've had me in all over the Bible. And so I think it's in First Timothy might not be you know it is what it is at this point but it was like when you speak to an to an older man don't tear him down like talk to him 
like a father. Yeah. I read that. And I had, um, I had a tweet earlier this week that people were pushing back on. And it was like, I had, I had come across that, um, verse and was like, all right, so this is my opportunity. These are, there are some older guys in this pushing back on me. Now I have the choice. Do I, because I know I can go, I can match, match wits and I can, um, make my arguments and make my points and make it known. And I can do it with a sharp tongue, or I can think, you know, the Bible tells me to, to talk to these guys. Like I would talk to my own dad right. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't tear my dad down, you know, in that occasion, I'm not saying I do it perfectly all the time, but in that occasion, I, I felt like I did all right. And the, and the conversations came around, you know, and we ended up on a, a much better understanding. Um, and I felt I had been heard more than if I had screamed, you right. know, the so speaking, understanding that speaking to be heard is less about being loud and sharp tongued. Um, yeah. Oh, that's good. And even, yeah, the, that the conviction doesn't have to, to become might be too strong of a word, but it it just doesn't have to become violent. Like our Mm -hmm. convictions don't have to become, you know, these things that, that cause us to tear people down just so that we can say we're right and we're on the right side. I think that'd be an interesting conversation to have. Uh, I had the thought earlier of like, as, as we were talking about the head coverings, the right, like the conviction, and then on either side that our, our view, like our rightness isn't our righteousness, right? Like they're very different things. Um, so anyway, that's, that's just something that I've been thinking about in this conversation. Yeah, that's a great thought. Yeah. I also thought about um, just the fact that you're, I mean, you thought you had, you had something to say, I mean, this goes way back in the conversation at the very beginning, but you had something to say and you came to Twitter to do it and you set up its own space for it. And um, that inclination is, I think, a younger generation inclination. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're hopeful that people will latch on to the idea that this, that social media is a space that you can, you can go to, to express a message, to, to bring hope or to, to bring out, to live out your faith. And it, um, you also can, you know, live out your lunch choices and whatever, you know, put, put your pictures of whatever you want up there. But um, it, the option of living your faith out is something online that just should be natural. Um, and that I think is, do you think that that is something that is just more natural to your generation? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think everybody in my generation, like, first of all, I think my generation is very, like, we all kind of want to feel special. Like we all feel like our voice has something unique to add and that we all have unique opinions and we all like want to share these opinions with people. And there can be a danger in that. I do think that, again, there's not always tons of humility in the way that we go about that kind of project, but I think it's a very human thing. I think it's a very human and earnest desire to say, here's who I am, and I want to share it with people, and I want people to notice me, and I want people to 
tell me that I have value and that my thoughts matter. And that, you know, for young women, um, it, that's why Instagram is just evil, right? Because we want to, other people to tell us that our bodies matter and that we, our bodies have value and our beauty has value. For me, I'm a more like kind of intellectually inclined person. So, you know, there is this danger of, I want to get on Twitter and I want people to tell me that my thoughts matter and that my, my academics and I have value because of like my thoughts. Right. And, um, and whether or not, I think that's a very common thing in young people who grew, grew up on social media. Um, and I definitely have had to combat that, right. I've had to say like, I could have 30,000 followers or I could have zero and the Lord has still called me to like study theology and as a practice of knowing him better as a, as a practice of, of my living out my faith. And, and he's given me these intellectual gifts, if you will, as a means of, of living out my faith. Um, and so, and that's how he wants me to do it is to study him and study his word and study who he is. And it doesn't matter if I, if I can get on Twitter and have people say, Oh, wow, your doctrine of the Trinity is so perfect. You are brilliant young lady. Like, yeah, there's definitely that inclination, but that's not what it's about. Right. I need to get the doctrine of the Trinity correct because that's how I worship the triune God and the most great way. Right. So that that's kind of how I, yeah, I do think that that's something young people struggle with, but I also think that it can be, it's also how I've learned about so many people. I've learned so many stories and I've learned about so many different perspectives that I never would have never would have been exposed to had I not been on social media. And that's, I think that helps me empathize with others better and their stories and who they are as people, because they get on, they get online they share what they're passionate about. They share their perspectives, they share their opinions and I don't have to agree with them all, but I do like seeing them. So if there was, um, if there was one thing that, um, you would want the older generation to know about where, about where the church should go or how the church should be, or like your hope for the church going mm. forward. Like what, what word do you have for us? I, I am older. There's a lot there. Good. Okay. There you just say. Open it all. Um, so when you say the church, I mean, I, that's even that in of itself, because it's not really a monolith, right? Sure. Um, uh, I think young people and, you know, the Theo bros may clip this, clip this segment out and say, look, she's a feminist lib. I knew this. I think young people are very passionate about things like social justice. And I, when I say that word, you know, I'm not saying, oh, you have to vote for Democrats and you have to vote for welfare, whatever. Okay. You know, you can have your own political opinions. I really don't care. I care about feeding the poor. I care about the hungry. I care about caring for people who are oppressed. I care. I care about those things because I believe that God cares about them. And I would like to see when I say the church, capital C, you know, the universal church, whatever, you know, I think Catholics have a lot of mercy ministries. They have Catholic hospitals and schools and all kinds of things. Right. And I, Protestants are very generous usually to charity, but I just think that we need to kind of step it up. We need to have more of a, less of a spiritual emphasis of we go to church just because we want to be spiritually fed, but also because we want other people to be physically fed. We, we want them to be spiritually and physically fed. We, we want to bring goodness to the world because I believe that God, I do believe that social justice in that sense is important. And that is something that 
it's really, 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 really tough to speak about that on social media because people just put all kinds of ideas of like, oh, this means you have to vote for this program. This means you have to vote for this politician who also believes in this and yada, yada. it goes on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, how do we do that? Should it be the government? Should it be the church? Should it be personal? You know, I'm not here to answer those questions. I'm just here to say young people see people crying out for justice. Young people see the hurt and the pain all across the world because we have images of it every day on our phones and we want to do something about it. And we want the church and we think the church should do something about it as Christians. So that's something that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, but I don't always, you know, feel like I can really speak about it just because I don't feel like I have all the answers. Um, and the other thing is just, is it kind of goes to me, it goes hand in hand. It's that's the praxy part of the orthodoxy, right? That's the orthopraxy. That's the praxis of living out faith. I also believe in strongly that we also need to kind of re-up our orthodoxy that, that young people don't, this is my experience. I can't speak for all young people. Young people don't want to just go and hear a guy in skinny jeans and a guitar and some mediocre public speaker. Like that has no appeal to us. Like to be quite frank, if we want to be entertained, we can scroll on TikTok for five hours and see far better singers, far better public speakers, far better things that are more entertaining. We go to church because we want to know God better. We want to worship God. We want to have something that matters happen there. We don't want to just be entertained because we can find entertainment anywhere. And so for me, like church, I want to see church just like we need to up it. We need to, we want deep Bible studies. We 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 count encounter all these internet atheists all day like okay then give us the doctrine that we need in order to say do you believe this like let's talk through it let's talk about scripture let's talk about doctrine let's talk about you know let's let's sing things that aren't you know that don't have the same praise chorus five thousand times in a row like let's let's think about how we can up our you know make it matter i guess for people to show up because there are five billion other things that we could do in our day why why do you show up to church right so those to me go hand in hand. It's like inside the church, what can we do to up it up and make sure that we, we are upping our orthodoxy, but then also outside the church, we don't want to just stop there. We don't want to say, well, now we have the correct doctrine. Now we are good to go. No. Okay. Well, now we have correct doctrine. We, we need to go out into the world and actually do something about it. We proclaim Christ crucified and help others and be the hands and feet of Christ. Right. So that, wow. yeah, that's, that, that is my word. That is, that is what I that's what I feel that tension every day. So yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a mic drop. That was. I think that might have been a sermon. Corporate <laughs> 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 it worship. It's okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, oh. if you were to sing for us now, you could. It was just a lead into a song. Come on, sing it, Leah. <laughs> That's right, sing it, Leah. That was yeah. I mean. Oh, on both of those points, like I think about the being active, like social, socially active. I mean, I, so I've talked about this with my, I have a cousin um, who we've talked through these things, but, and she, she very much feels like the point of government is to do those things. And of course, um, but a couple years ago, I remember um, when we were having, well, when the attention was on the border crisis. Right. And it was like, all these, all these children don't have the things that they need. They don't have toothbrush, they don't have soap, they don't have, um, and people wanted to argue about whose fault in government it was. And it was like, like, how can I complain about the government not doing what I am unwilling to do? How can mm. the church complain that the government won't do what we are unwilling to do? Because right. 
if you went, if, if we sent, if everybody who goes to a church bought one toothbrush and sent it down there, they would be overwhelmed with toothbrushes. Exactly. You know, if everybody went down there and said, we're going to come in here and we're going to make sure that this is taken care of, right. or even if every church sent one person to do that, yeah. the, they would be overwhelmed right. with what they needed to immediately, immediately take care of it. Exactly. And so, and we are called to care about those, those people and those situations and to, to go, like when you said, we're good to go, like we better be good to go, but not just like all set to be done with it. Right. But we better be good to actually go. Yep. yep. And, and I mean, I also, I just loved the thought about we can get entertainment anywhere. We can scroll TikTok for five hours mm -hmm. um, and find better singers and better entertainment. And it's like, I had, I had half a mind to stand up and clap. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That was, that was, man. because yeah. our, we have such low expectations. Right. For, for all of our, all of us, you know, young and old, you know, we just want to get people enough so that they come back next Sunday. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's good. Yeah. No, for, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just for me, it's that law and gospel distinction, right? Like, so doing things like head covering and having it be a daily practice that I do not out of, because some elder told me I had to, because that's women's place. They have to wear head coverings. Right. But it's something that I do out of my own personal, my, my own, I believe the spirit has convicted me in my heart and is molding my heart to just want to live in submission to what I view as God's will. Right. And it's, and it's this idea of, if we just tell kids don't have sex, don't drink, don't do X, Y, and Z, come to church, have to be here, X, all these rules, you know, yeah, like no wonder all of them get to college and immediately go, you know what I would rather do, um, go out and party, like that's so much more fun, right, and so how can we cultivate, I guess it goes back to just discipleship or, you know, whatever fancy like church word you want to use there, but it really is this idea of like, we do want to cultivate people's faiths and doctrines and so that they they have this, they don't have this, they have, they feel like they have an obligation, not because other people are telling them you have this obligation or that they say that, oh, I have to do this as my obligation, but because they, they want the obligation. Like I want the obligation to go to church on Sunday, not to be entertained or because I have to have to, it's because of the law, but because I feel like I have an obligation to worship God. And I love that. <laughs> I'm I love, I want to go to worship God. I, I want to do all these things. I want to live in submission to his will. And that's something that I wish. And, but I've only gotten to that point because I've been fed to me. I've been fed doctrinally. I've, I've studied theology. I've studied scripture. I've, been like fed deep things that helped me answer and wrestle with these questions. I've had talks with other people who believe differently things than me. And I, and I, and I'm able to kind of wrestle through these big questions, not just because I show up to church every week and I just love it so much. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's been this, it's an entire life to me. It's about living as a Christian every day and not just showing up once a week. It's about how can my entire life revolve around this? And then on Sundays, I really get to do it. Right. That's kind of been my own experience, but 
Who do I know? <laughs> Who do I know? <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. No. Uh, well, Leah, we, we like to hear one. I, I, I just want to say I've enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed hearing some of the, you know, getting a little bit deeper into some of the things that we've noticed and seen um, in your, your use of social media and your conversations. And so thank you for, for that. Um, as we close, we just want to hear, we, we love to hear the, the highs and lows um, uh, of this experience. And so can you share a little bit about as in your time online mm-hmm. uh, and, and some of the things that you've shared in this conversation where you actually failed or, or, the interaction didn't go as intended. Yes. Oof. And I failed. It's interesting that I will say, I think I have all kind. to me, the ultimate sign that I have failed is when someone blocks me. Oh. When I don't, when I see people gloat about, Ooh, someone don't block me. Ha ha. To me, that shows that I have failed. I have failed to represent myself as an image bearer and represent and to respect them as an image bearer enough to the fact that they had to literally block me out of their life. And to me, that just shows that I didn't convey my points well, or I didn't communicate with them well and that they, they blocked me. And I, so I hate when people block me. Um, I have failed in my interaction several times with, I mean, I would say on the more left-leaning side, you know, I've seen people say, oh, she's, she's, you know, a fundamentalist. She's condescending. She's, you know, she, she's abusive because she believes X, Y, and Z's doctrines. And I have not always, sometimes I get very defensive about what I believe, right? We all do. And I fail to listen and I fail to be humble and I fail to see the hurt of people who've left the church or they've left such and such doctrine because it's really deeply hurt them. I have failed to listen to them and be humble. Um, on the other side, on the maybe more right-wing Theobro, you know, kind of, you know, fundamentalist side or whatever. Um, I've also definitely failed to have patience and to say, you know, it's okay if you don't like me, or it's okay if you don't like the way that I say things, you know, but that doesn't mean I have to have to like accuse you of being evil or you know the boogeyman or something you know like there's not one southern baptist professor who was responsible personally for the sex abuse scandals that happened right like we can all work together to recognize that there's been systemic failure and personal failure but um yeah so it i have definitely failed <laughs> to um i think to me but the sign that i have failed in talking to people and to respect them and do that is when they, when they give me that block that to me, that shows they're shutting down. There's no more conversation that could be happen that can happen between me and them. The conversation has failed and they don't want any more. And that to me is, that's the sign of failure. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with that? Oh, I mean, I just have to, you know, sometimes, well, I just have to, pray about it and look at what I, to me, whenever I get blocked, I always do huge introspection. I always say, okay, what did I do? You know, was, were they just annoyed with me or like, did I, did I really mess up as a Christian? You know, am I represent, if someone looked at our entire tweet thread or something and they were, could they see, oh yeah, she's, she's a Christian. That's, that's, that's what Christ would do. You know, it's like that old mantra. It's so cliche and so trite of what would Jesus do? But yay, verily, like we could all on Twitter remember that when we interact with people, 
you know? And so I'm not, I'm not perfect. And, you know, it's okay to disagree in part ways with people, right? Like the fight between Paul and uh, Barnabas. Yeah. They, they, they fought, they part ways. That's okay. But like, I don't know if that's the goal. Right. So I just kind of have to cry about it and, and just do better. And that's all I can do. I can only just live and learn and do better, but yeah. Yeah. When, um, it's, it's very rare for me to block somebody because right. I do have as many voices, right. um, different perspectives speaking into my, my world as possible. Um, there are times I think about, you know, it says what, um, as much as it's within your power, do whatever you can do to keep the peace. Right. And, and sometimes it's just, I don't have the, um, like in, in this, in this time, I don't have what it takes to keep peace right. or to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. And so I've got to use the tools. And so, and it's, and it's as much about putting a safeguard in place for me right? Um, to keep my behavior in check. So if, if I also don't like being blocked, but um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I understand that there may just be setting a boundary and yeah. that, and that's totally okay, you know, and it's not necessarily like personal, like it wasn't maybe me, but I always assume that it was, I could have done something better, right? That I could have done something better to maybe respect a boundary that they didn't, I didn't recognize that they were having or something, right? So yeah, but I, but I agree. Sometimes I block people when I just absolutely have to, like if they like bully me or something like, and it's just every day and it's like, okay, this is just not, and they're not stopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, again, I, I try also not to just like block people willy nilly just to, but yeah, sometimes it is necessary. Keep the peace, but yeah, yeah. And I think when you, if you are in that situation, I guess you know, the only person left to take it up with is God, right? Exactly. Saying, That's right. Yeah. You know, if there's a if there's a way to reconcile it, reconcile it, and I'm open to that. Yeah. Um, and if I need to learn and grow from that, show me. I'm yeah. willing to. Amen. Um. And we never want to like end on failure because that's a downer. (laughs) So we want to hear about uh, a time that you were um, living out your faith or you're speaking your um, message or um, doing your sassy thing on online. And it was a success and you saw the kingdom advance or you saw somebody ministered to or (laughs) just were able to love someone well that way. Oh, that's hard. I do remember this was really meaningful to me just again, because I'm not always able to communicate well to people who have been hurt by the church and, and people who have left. But I do remember one time somebody in my comments was like, Hey, like I left the church a long time ago. Like I haven't really been back. I'm thinking about it, but I just appreciate your voice here or something. And I replied to them and I was like, Hey, like, thank you so much for your comment. I'm so sorry you were hurt by the church. You know, if you ever feel ready to go back, I wish you all the best, but you know, God bless or something. And then they replied like months later to someone else. And I wasn't even in the thread, but I happened to see it. And they said, Oh, like, Leah was so kind to me when I told her, I thought she was going to judge, you know, I was worried she was going to judge me for saying I'd left the church and I was scared about coming back, but she was so kind and she was very understanding. And that made me want to go back even more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like that's so kind. and so beyond like, <laughs> like, thank you. Like, you know, I, I was like, 
if I could have any, if, if, if I could leave Twitter every day with people saying that about me, I feel like that's the kind of witness. I mean, that meant so much. And I was like, wow, like, oh, wow. So that was a huge, I mean, that wasn't me. That was most, hopefully that was the Lord convicting his heart. I mean, I, I don't claim to have any sort of much help there, but that was just, yeah. So that was a big, to me, a success of, I was like, that's something I can do with this platform. That's something that people can look to me and say, wow, she's a person in the church. She's ostensibly Christian. She believes these doctrines. She is a seminary student. I kind of, you know, it's kind of like the clerical caller, right? People know you are a priest. Well, I'm not a priest. I'm a woman. You know, what can I do? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is this, this idea that people will look to you as a representative and, I, whenever I feel like I've been a representative of Christ in his kingdom, then I feel like I've been a good kingdom worker for the day. Um, and sometimes it happens and it, it is a, it really is a good moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Well, I have, uh, I, well, we were talking earlier, um, just about, the convictions we have and the revealing of who Jesus is and, and mm. the way that we are one body scripture, scripture came to mind. And so I just want to read this as we close. Um, so I'll start it in Colossians one towards the end. Um, Paul's just writing to the church and, and he's writing saying, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I, Paul, labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. And here, here's the scripture that, um, that came to mind was, I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you. This is in chapter two. For those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm. And I think that that portion of Paul's letter so succinctly ties the, the themes of, of what we've been talking about um, not just in, hey, you're a seminary student doing these things, but but in hearing your heart behind it and why you're doing this and hearing the, the heart behind the conviction of covering, um, in hearing your heart behind, even as you were speaking to the older generation, you know, and I know, trust me, I know the frustrations, but in hearing that, like, there's something much deeper behind it. And I do uh, hearing your heart behind, I don't want to be blocked by somebody because that means conversation and future opportunity to show love and show Christ is cut off. Um, at least with that person. So Leah, I just, I just want to say thank you for your time. I want to say thank you for the way that even this conversation and, and as we have explored together today, um, how it is ministered to my heart and, uh, just being reminded of the unity of the body and how to strive for that and to remember that all of it, all the wisdom, all the knowledge and all the theological arguments, if they don't reveal Christ and 
love for, for God and love for neighbor, uh, then there's a, a real danger to doing it in vain. And so um, thank you. Seriously, thank you for your time today. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you so much, Hector. Wow. Thank, yeah. thank you guys for allowing me to have this conversation with you. It's, I, it means a lot, I think, when we as Christians can come together in fellowship and discuss these things, um, you know, in person and not just in 280 characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, um, if, if Hector had read on it, um, it goes and says, for though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit mm -hmm. and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. I mean, we go down the embodiment trail on that one, but, um, but I mean, that is, <laughs> yeah, we could, but I, I mean, that is, it is, it is a joy to watch you grow and to watch, um, to, to watch the excitement you have about learning what there, all there is to learn about our faith and that, and that learning, you know, will go on forever. Um, and the and the passion you have and the willingness to to listen um and it it really is it's it's um delightful thanks yeah. <laughs> i would say thank yeah. you yeah there is hope yet for the future <laughs> though i don't think that there was any uh any no. jeopardy that wasn't in jeopardy yeah um well leah thank you so much and thank you to everyone for listening uh leah before we do go where can people find you uh, on twitter yeah so you can find me at leah b sassy um and that you know come along if you're interested <laughs> i'm more than welcome and i love making new friends so yeah awesome Hey, thank you all for tuning into the Pocket Pulpit. And uh, I'm so, so excited just for continuing to, to find and, and see and sit down and, and have conversations about what can, like what impact can social media have uh, in the kingdom? Um, and, and going from simply a tool belt to getting a message out, uh, getting an event out to, to really... Um, embodying those spaces. I know that that has a lot of, of uh, weight behind it. Um, and, and as Leah, as you said, that there are people who may fall on all sorts of sides around that uh, conversation. But my hope is that, um, that as we continue exploring, we will see the heart behind many people who are choosing to step in, uh, that there's a heart for people to know Jesus uh, there's a heart for people to be seen and acknowledged and known and loved. Uh, that as we we continue to to find people that are carrying the light of Christ into spaces that often are characterized as being too dark to do anything with. And so, um, thank you all for listening this week, and we'll see you next time on the Pocket Pulpit. See you, Leah. See you, Sarah. Bye.